If the violence is to stop, it is you who must represent your people. Hi, hello, and welcome, my Force-sensitive friends, to the 59th ever full episode of Holy Star Wars. I'm Jason, and as always, remember, you can join in the conversation before, during, and after the show at holystarwars@gmail.com, online at holystarwars.net, and on Twitter at holy underscore star underscore wars. This week, we're taking a swing back into the Clone Wars animated series with Season 1, Episode 15, Trespass. And a myth from primarily the Red River Delta region of Vietnam, though it's prevalent all over the country. The story of Tien Zhong. Trying really hard to pronounce that one correctly. I'm trying really hard. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Please, please, please. One of the Tien Zhong is one of the four immortals. All of this today, going through the theme of standing up. What do you believe in? Do you just believe it, or do you stand up for it? Maybe even go so far as to fight for it. There's a lot of things I believe in. I believe in assuming decency in all people until proven otherwise. I believe in the right of every person to never go hungry. I believe in my religion. I believe in the power of people working together to make great changes possible. How much do I actually stand for the things I believe in, though? How far am I willing to go to fight for them? To be honest, I struggle with this a lot and often. I believe in a lot of things. All of them are entirely important to me, and I, I feel strongly and passionately about them. But from one end to the next, what do I actually truly do myself to stand up for or fight for what I believe in? I've been trying to make a commitment to doing more to be standing up for the things I believe in lately. I took a snap challenge recently to educate people on hunger in the U.S. and what we can do to prevent it. Check the link in the description for more on what that means. I've subscribed to Google Alerts to get links to articles every day that's describe and that discuss the farm bill and the SNAP programs that are essential to feeding low-income individuals and families in the U.S. So I can write letters to the editors of newspapers that run misinformation articles on the subject. And there's a lot of technical stuff, I know. Look it all up. It's so important. Also, something else recently is that on, on the Holy Star Wars website, I begun a new page to share information about and from the peoples and cultures whose stories we discuss on the show so their visibility can be elevated and their people be credited for what they bring to the world and our abilities to gain from them. I also donate to charities and partake in civil discourse whenever possible. I lobby Congress and my, and my other representatives. But honestly, it never feels like enough, and I don't believe at all that I am standing for everything I believe in as well or as often as I should. I think I'm often hypocritical without meaning to be. I think there's always more I can push myself to be doing to stand for what I think is right. But isn't this natural? Isn't this normal? I mean, am I, I think that at the end of the day, I'm probably more than anything putting myself in this light that is just infeasible. I, I expect too much for myself. And I guess what ultimately becomes the question is, Am I, am I standing up for what I believe in? And do I, do I feel like I'm doing enough? I, it's really, this is a, a complicated question that I get myself stuck in often, and I'm sure we all do. But um, over the course of this discussion, I hope that we feel at least a little bit better about what do we stand for, how do we stand for it, and not worry so much about are we doing enough? Because that's not really the question that matters, even though I just kind of harped on it for a bit. It's not what matters. What matters is 
are we doing it at all? There's a saying actually in, uh, in Judaism that it's not our responsibility to finish the work, but it is our responsibility to partake in it. And that has two sides to it. It's important that we all are partaking in the work of standing up for what we believe in. It, if we're not, then who will? There's another, you know, if not now, when? And if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm only for me, then what am I? If not now, when? Another saying from the same book. And we all, we all want to strive to make sure that we are partaking in, in, the, in, 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 in creating the world that we want to see. But it's also at the same time, we are not required to finish the work. We should not make ourselves go crazy and expect ourselves to be at the, at the absolute pinnacle of, of human existence and making sure that we're, we're changing everything ourselves always. It's not possible. It's not feasible. It's, un, it's unrealistic. And, and I, I need to work on forgiving myself for it. And I think a lot of us do too. So over, the, like I said, over this discussion, I hope that we can feel a little more comfortable in, in what it is that we stand up for, how we stand up for it, and making sure that we're always committed to, committing to it. In Trespass, the Clone Wars episode we're talking about this week, there are some real problems with not standing up for the right things and very much standing up for the wrong things. The episode takes place on the frozen planet of Ordo Plutonia, where a Republic outpost had been attacked mysteriously by a then-unknown sentient species, the Talls. The primary moon orbiting the planet, Pantora, is home to an extraordinarily proud species, the Pantorans, who have an acute sense of manifest destiny. They believe that the entirety of the Pantora system belongs to them. The leader of their people, Chairman Chicho, is very fond of declaring his title and the sovereignty that his people have over all the uninhabited systems in the planet. Upon discovering that Ordo Plutonia is, in fact, an inhabited planet by a sentient species, he does not retract his claim over the planet. He doubles down on it, declaring the Talls barbarians and unworthy of liberty or life. He's disgustingly proud and despicably forward about standing up for the supposed unwavering right of his people to dominate this planet. There's no basis for his claim. Even the Jedi and the Republic give no credence whatsoever to the Chairman's claim because according to intergalactic law, he's just wrong. Yet, he's standing up for what he believes in. What do we do when we encounter people who are standing up strong and loudly for what they believe, but what they believe is abhorrent and deplorable, or even just something we mildly disagree with for that matter, or, you know, that's, that's objectively or subjectively bad. Obviously, some things are disagreements, some things are objective. This, is, this one is objective. He's just awful. But we'll get into that in a bit. The natives of the Red River Delta in Vietnam have four immortals in their mythology, one of whom is Ten Zhong. Each of the four immortals is a hero of ancient Vietnam, and Ten Zhong is one of from the actually from the 13th century BCE. I it, in researching this episode, it boggled my mind how like wow, you know, we talk about ancient history, but like man, that was a long time ago. You like you really don't realize how long ago human civilization began. It's it's it. Oh, it's just so cool. I love that stuff. Anyway, the story goes that once a couple couldn't have a child. Typical start of a story. No matter how badly they wanted, until one day, the wife stepped in this enormous mysterious footprint in her yard. Suddenly, she was pregnant and eventually had a baby, Tanjong, who didn't speak at all until one day. An emissary of the king came demanding all the men in the village pick up arms to fight the invading An, an ancient Chinese people. They'd been attacking the, uh, Vietnam. The Anan is, I believe, what the, the name of 
what, what they might have called themselves at the time, and they've been attacking for a long time. And so an emissary of the king comes to all the villages and comes to Tin Zhong's village and says, we need all of the men to come and fight. And if that was the day that Zhang spoke, spoke to his mother for the first time, asking at the age of three that she tell the emissary to tell the king to procure him an iron sword, an iron horse, and iron armor. He had... He, he was going to go to battle. He spoke it, and then it... it he spoke it the first time for this. It's just so... It's, it's such an interesting story to me. I just... It's so interesting. Other cultures are so cool. I'm sorry. Anyway. What happened next... He then went into this full training montage mode and ate every last bit of food in the village until he suddenly grew into a full and even large man. Like, some renditions of the story is that he was like, he was pretty much a giant, hence, you know, the giant foot. He was only three, by the way, to reiterate. <laughs> so he rode his horse into battle, some saying the horse actually uh, breathed fire and was made of fire in some renditions of the story, and he defeated the An army pretty much by himself. At one point, he even broke his sword and continued on fighting with a bamboo stick as his weapon instead. After the enemy was repelled and the day was won, Zhang rode to the top of Saksun, a mountain that is now in the city of Hanoi, and just kept on riding all the way off to heaven. <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm a huge fan of the story. I, I really enjoy it. It's about a boy who stands up for what he believes in, his people and their lives. It's so important to Zhang that... He literally talks for the first time and undergoes an, a life-changing alteration for the sake of his people. I want to point out the specific course of action that, is, that, that Jung went through. First, he listened. He gathered information on what was happening. He heard from the emissary what was going on and learned all he needed to know. He then spoke about it, and he didn't speak before he knew. He, he waited until it was his time to be the one to talk, and he spoke... And he used his words to point out that something was not okay and that something had to be done about it. And because of his platform as that kid in the village who never spoke, it made his voice that much more valuable. Now, I want to be clear, it's not the fact that he's usually quiet, it's the fact that he had a platform at all, that it ha and that he was quiet happened to be that platform. I'm not glorifying the lack of speech prior or, you know, the, uh, you know, we should all be stoics and we should all be... Uh, you know, listeners and thinkers be, and never and never converse because that's obviously one, not for all of us, and two, we should be engaging in dialogue, but in other contexts. But anyway, the fact is that he had this platform, and he was, we should all be recognizing the platforms that we have and using them when we can and when it's appropriate. After he found his platform and spoke, he then, after bringing those together, those in his network to help him, all of the village providing him with food and the king providing him with the weapon and the armor and the horse he put his words into action and went to the battle and even in that he didn't do it alone he did it with the rest of his people and again his action being going into battle is specific to the story i am by zero means whatsoever advocating that the action we should be taking should be violent or the actions we should be taking should be adversarial in fact i'm a really strong proponent of that Problem solving is about relational opportunities, not adversarial ones. But anyway, he couldn't do it alone. So he did it with the rest of his people. He did it in, in concert with them. He did it with his network. He did it with, um, with partners with, in collaborative and cooperative way. This is one of the many paths to standing up for something in a strong and positive way. Listening, speaking up, gathering allies, and taking action together. It's not the only way. But it's a really, it's a strong outline and basis for standing up. 
Pantoran Senator Ryochuchi had a really difficult time finding it within herself to stand up for what she believed in. She knew the whole time that the chairman was mad and that his beliefs were awful. She tried to put the responsibility on other people, though. She placed it on the Republic, who couldn't help, on the Jedi, who couldn't intervene in the local affair, and she tried to put it on the Pantoran government, too. You know, she, she knew that there was something going on that was really wrong, and she wasn't standing up for herself, and she wasn't standing up for her people, and she wasn't standing up for what she knew was right. Were there barriers legally and physically to her ability to stand up? Sure, absolutely, but could she and should she have at least stood up at all, even if she couldn't act on her own? Probably. It could have likely saved a lot of bloodshed on both sides. It, it isn't until Chuchi was nudged a bit by Obi-Wan to recognize the harm Chicho is doing, and that if she really wants to help to stop it, she has to actually stand up and do that herself. It, I'm gesticulating like crazy because it's really, really important, though, that we don't just shame her. At least to me. We, as, as, much as, as much as, yes, she... Um, she probably should have stood up. She she clearly is. If she's a senator, she's probably not in such a, you know, a timid person and 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 anything to be put in that position. But she's clearly also from a society where uh, hypermasculinity is an enormous problem. And as a woman, as uh, that that obviously makes it really difficult to go up against the the chairman who's being a super awful person and clearly using his his masculinity and his male male to dominate the situation over her um the other thing too is she's a senator she doesn't have direct authority in internal affairs just galactic affairs and since the chairman was being awful and repeatedly putting her down she surely didn't know how to stand up for herself let alone the talls can't can't blame her as much as yes we want to say you should have done this we also can't say at all that you know how dare she not have and so now that she's been pushed and now that she finally can recognize that she does, in fact, have the power to stand up, she doesn't have any more excuse after this in the future, though. She's proven she is capable of standing up, and as Obi-Wan implores her at the end, she will be expected to stand up again and again in the future. That's the thing, too, with standing up. It, it's not just a single-time action. It's a once we've done it once, we have to continuously be standing up again and again. Otherwise, one, our progress will always, always be turned back. But two, because... Once we've proven we can, we can't we, we can't be held to lower standards again in the future. Um, there's 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 little excuse for it. At least at least to me, please. Like if you disagree, like so argue with me. I, I disagree with me. I really genuinely it's important. I, and and I'm I am but a single person and a white Jewish man with my own biases and my own privileges. So if I'm if I'm incorrect in any of these assumptions or any of my assertions, like I don't want to take them as a. I I don't want them to be seen as assertions because they're not meant to be. Even though I could, I, I get passionate about them. They're not universal truths. They're my perspective, and uh, in terms of my perspective, as you'll be uh, hearing at the end, I guess a little a little preview of that. We I'm working on a project to have more voices on the show, more voices uh, discussing what it is they stand for and how they do that and how they think that others might be able to as well, and so. Uh, Look forward to that. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a little bit. But anyway, back to the, the main conversation. The fact that it took a mentor and Obi-Wan to teach Tucci that she can stand up for herself and that in the and the halls is it's normal. Just like Zhang, it, he doesn't stand up until somebody came and asked him directly to do so. 
It's the same in Trespass. The fact that Obi-Wan and Anakin can't interfere is a total allegory for how enacting change works in the real world. It's so easy to want others to stand up for you, to do the hard work and reap the benefits yourself because you're too scared or unsure or uninformed or even maybe lazy. And it's okay to be relying on others for support. Like, as is obvious, if, if it hadn't been for the fact that the Jedi had pushed her, if it hadn't been for the fact that the King's Emissary pushed Jung, there's really no saying whether any of them would have ever taken the leap. And being reliant on others for support is essential. But you can't rely on them to do the work for you. If others are completing the work for you, then the work is most often not actually complete. Because you still don't own it. And still don't control its future destiny. If the Jedi were to solve, were to be the problem solvers here, the Republic would be entirely in control of the planet and the Tall's fate. The Pantorans here wouldn't be seen as peacemakers to the Tall's, and the potential for their relationship to be positive and strong in the future would be significantly diminished. So it has to be Senator Chuchi of the Pantora who ends the war and makes the peace. It has to be us. It has to be us who stand up and make change happen, listen, speak, gather, and act. If it takes an outside force to make the difference, we're never going to be satisfied with it in the end. Look at virtually every example of liberation in history. Those who liberated themselves are truly free. Those who liberated, were liberated by others only had new people to be beholden to. And take that in any which way you want, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, <laughs> but um, you know what, what it means to be liberated and free, you know, physically, emotionally, everything else. The, the point is, it's, it's not to blame the captives by any means, but as free people and as people with power, whatever that power and that platform is, it's our responsibility to both stand up for ourselves and our kin, always, and stand up for others just as well and just as strong. Be good to ourselves and do what's right, be good to others and support them without ever overshadowing them. It's not our responsibilities to complete the work, but it is our responsibility to be part of it. And we can never, we can never be down on ourselves for, for not being the one to solve this problem or that problem. But we absolutely should be if we're not standing up for the things we believe in, if we're not using our, our ability to listen, to understand, our abilities to... to speak and to use our platforms, our abilities to gather together and to uh, rely on one another for support and for information and for uh, the, 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 gather, the maintenance of power and the ability to act and to take that action and to, to, to do whatever it might be based on your, your passion and what you're standing for, to do that and to take the actions necessary with all the steps along the way. And, and then... That's, that's how we know. That's how we know we're doing what's right and what's, doing en what, what, what's, what's enough. And that's how we know that we're not just letting those who we disagree with and those who we believe are wrong or bad get away with it. But of course, as always, that's just my opinion and I would love to hear yours. Let us know what you think about this episode and these topics at holystarwars at gmail.com on Twitter at holy underscore star underscore wars and on our website holystarwars.net I'm super excited to be sharing, as I mentioned a little bit before, a new project I'm working on trying to make sure that we can get some, some different and diverse voices on the show, uh, represent more than just my voice, because, you know, we have guests every now and again, but um, 
if you heard in the beginning of this episode, the little bumper that we started with, that was uh, a clip from the episode that we talked about this week. I'm going to be working on getting some clips from some friends, some fellow podcasters, some fellow Star Wars fans. Um, having them explain, you know, just in a few sentences, say, hi, I'm blank. I stand up for blank. And you can stand up. And I think that the best, or I think the best way to stand up is blank. You know, something simple like that. Something just to help us hear how people think about standing up, what they stand for, how they do it, and how we can learn from them, and how we can learn from each other. Because, like I said a hundred times, I this is all just my opinion. This is all just my, you know, like I said, Jewish American male, mostly privileged means of seeing the world. And that's not the only thing out there. So let's make absolute sure to hear as many voices as we can, learn from as many voices as we can, be together with as many voices as we can, and speak to them and act with them. And only together can we make the changes we want and stand up for the things we believe in. Next week we'll be doing a little more Clone Wars, some more Missing Legends, another theme. Haven't decided on any of that stuff yet, but I'll let you know when I know. Until then, thanks for listening.